Beyonce is back. Queen B's seventh album, Renaissance, dropped last week. It's the megastar's first studio album since 2016's Lemonade. In 16 tracks, Renaissance takes listeners on a dance music odyssey, paying homage to 90s house music, Afrobeats, bounce, and the ballroom scene, not to mention samples from artists like Donna Summer and Grace Jones. We're reviewing the album for this edition of the 1A Record Club. I'm Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. To join the conversation on future topics and have your questions answered, tweet us at 1A. It's the 1A Record Club, and we're reviewing Beyonce's Renaissance. Joining us now is Record Club regular Kia Turner. She's a music journalist at OK Player. Kia, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Also with us is Sam Sanders. He's the host of Vulture's pop culture podcast, Into It. Sam, it is so great to have you. Thanks for having me here. So I want to start with your initial reactions to the album. Sam, what did you think about it when you first listened? You know, the first night it came out, I played it through once before I went to bed. And I said, oh, I don't get it. It's kind of a lot. And then by the third, third play the next day, I was like, oh, I get it. And what I love about it is that it's really just an album full of Beyonce showing off. She had two, three years in pandemic to work with the best producers, best songwriters, spent a ton of money on some really great tracks. And for an hour over these great dance tracks, she's just showing off. And there's so many vocal ideas that it takes a while for you to get it. But once you do get it, you just marvel at how fun it is and how good she is. Mm. I love it. Kia, what about you? Yeah, um, I think for me growing up in a household that played a lot of house music um, and also disco, I pretty much grasped the concept literally from the imagery before we even heard the album. So once I did listen to the album, I immediately was in love with the transitions, how everything was seamless. Um, Also, like just vocally, how she was able to truly like show off. I think over the years we've seen how she's grown as a vocalist and now as a complete whole artist. So it's amazing to see and hear I I fell for it the first time I heard it. So I did my first listen to the album um, the morning after it dropped. I was out walking my dogs. I said, we're going to walk and we're going to listen to Renaissance. And the word that just kept coming back to me over and over again was defiant. There was something about it that just like in the face of Sam, you know what it's like to be in the news grind in the face of all of the news. (laughs) There was something that was just defiantly joyful about it. And that was the word that, that kept coming up for me. Here's a review we got from Rashida in Harrisburg. I love the new Beyonce Renaissance album. My favorite song has got to be Church Girl. And I just love how her music seems to be speaking to me personally. I've been a Beyonce fan ever since Destiny's Child. And I am definitely a part of the Beehive. Renaissance is a great album. Now, this album's rollout was unique for Beyonce because, first of all, it wasn't a surprise. We knew it was coming. Uh, We had a lead single with Break My Soul and some hype leading up to the album's release. Sam, what did you think about the way she chose to roll this album out? I think it was very interesting, especially when you compare the way she would do an album drop almost 10 years ago when she dropped her self-titled fifth album in 2013 
it totally changed the way the entire industry dropped albums. She did this surprise drop with all the videos at once and a big same-day marketing push through Instagram and Facebook. And she organized this whole thing herself through her company, Parkwood. And after she did that, everyone said, we'll do surprise drops as well. So to see her go back to a route that's more a, a traditional, you might say, oh, she's stepping backwards. But you see in this release, she's still in charge. She's still on top. She had this spread for... Or, I think British Vogue when she announced the album, and usually when you're doing these things for these you know big magazines, you're begging them for coverage, hoping they're nice to you. This Vogue spread on Beyonce was in service to her. You know, they were happy to get the photos, happy to talk to her, and they were giving her free marketing. And it just shows, even as she kind of returns to what may feel old, she's doing it as now the master of this industry. So it feels traditional, but actually it's not because she's just so dominant, you know? Yeah. Let's get back into the music. This is Cuff It. Okay, I haven't been on roller skates in like 15, 20 years, and I was reaching for them. I was like, I'm not going to find them because I, I value my life. But Kia, you cuff it highlights the, the album's 70s and 80s influences. Now, Rogers is on guitar. Sheila E. and Tina Marie are named in the credits. You were on our Renaissance Drop Day Twitter Spaces conversation, and you said cuff it should have been the lead single over Break My Soul. Why? Um, cuff it to me is just like, I don't know. To me, it's like the quintessential, like, there's a lot of sounds on this album, right? Like, there's house, there's disco, there's techno. But as far as, like, the beginning, I think she sets the stage pretty well. And Cuff It, to me, is like the little sister of Blow. Like, if Blow from Self-Titled had, like, an extension, it would be Cuff It. It's just perfect. Like, it makes you happy. It makes you want to dance. Out of the first, like, three, four songs on the album, it's just, like, it sets the stage, like, for real. So I think if that would have came out before Break My Soul, I think it would have generated a different response. And I think people would have understood what she was doing with the project before the project dropped. Hmm. Sam, what do you think about Cuff It? I think it's great. And I think to even hear the folks that are involved in this song, she got Nile Rodgers on this track. As well as Pharrell. You know, there are other songs where she's got Skrillex on there. She has Grace Jones on the album. She's someone who not only everyone wants to work with, she's also someone at this point who can afford anybody and can afford any sample and can afford any lyrics. And it's nice to see an artist who has all that power also continue to push herself creatively. I think with Cuff It, with other songs like uh, it's called Virgo's Groove. Mm-hmm. You're hearing her just have fun vocally in a way that seems fresh. And so to have that freshness while also to be so dominant, you don't see that a lot. And it's just a great combination. It's a great combination. So this is one of the songs where we hear Beyonce pay homage to dance music of the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. Kia, why do you think she decided to reach back for inspiration? Well, um, We've been living in some pretty crazy times. The last three years, had well, two, but basically three. But the last, uh, it hasn't been that great to us. We've been dealing with a lot in society. 
um, overall. And if you go back to that 70s and 80s era of disco and then house, a lot of that music was a form of escapism for the LGBTQ community who was affected by everything with the whole HIV AIDS, you know, situation at that time. Like, anything generational wise women and their rights and it seemed like everyone was able to escape at places like paradise garage and studio 54 and all of these iconic places for dance and house so if feels like after going through a period of albums like lemonade and albums like the gift or even the song black parade um where she speaks a lot about like you know rights for women and rights for african americans and just everyone in their right to be free i think we do need a chance to just dance and kind of escape <laughs> mm-hmm. sam what do you think why do you think she reached to the past for inspiration for this album you know she actually does it frequently um i was really impressed by the way she fully incorporated queer music and queer sounds this album but in terms of Disco and soul throwback, she's been doing that for a while. And I think my favorite Beyonce albums have more of that. So albums like B-Day and uh, Four, they're full of old funk sounds, old disco sounds, old soul sounds. That's actually secretly what Beyonce does best. Mm. You know, we love to hear her rap sing. We love to hear her do hip hop. But the best version of Beyonce is music for the cookout that your auntie Mm. can love as well. And I just always love when she's doing that. She's so good at that. We got this email from Jeffrey who says, I remember Steve Martin saying that at one point in his career, people would start laughing almost before he got the joke out. They were laughing not at the joke, but because he was Steve Martin. Is Beyonce's new album actually good or is it good because it's Beyonce at this moment in her career? Sam, what would you say? Yes to both. (laughs) Yes to both. (laughs) I think like in... In some regards, it is truly remarkable what she's pulling off as a vocalist, as an executive producer of an hour-long project full of hundreds of ideas. But there are other parts of this album where I'm like, it's a little cheesy, a little corny. I never like it when rich people have song lyrics about being rich. I think it's tired, and I don't enjoy it. And there are songs where she's just bragging about being wealthy. Not into that. But it's Beyonce, I'll forgive it. There's also some times when she tries to take on Afrobeat in a way that feels like it's almost trying too hard. I want to say the song Move. You know, she's rap singing, I'm out the jungle. And it's like, you aren't out of the jungle, you're from Houston. And it feels a little corny, but when Beyonce does corny, I still love it because it's Beyonce. And I think that in moments where the lyrics feel a little bit too cheesy or nonsensical, it doesn't matter because she's singing these lyrics so well and she feels it so much and the beats are so good. You can forgive it all, in part because she's Beyonce, but in part because she's just such an amazing vocal technician. Whatever she sings is gonna sound good. Like if her next album was Beyonce singing the phone book with the drums being played by like two chopsticks, I'd still love it. It's her. It's good. <laughs> Key, I wanna get your take on that as well. Um, I would also agree that I think it's both. Um, I think that at this point in her career, she's been doing this for 25 years. So she's garnered her fan base. People are going to go up for Beyonce just because it's Beyonce. It's like me with Janet. I love Janet Jackson. I'm just going to go up for Janet, period. So that's just how people are. But I also agree that there were certain lines on the album where I was like, okay, this was kind of corny or no, that don't, it doesn't really sit well with you. Like, uh, I forgot the song, but there is a, um, 
a line where she says, like, I'll pull up with my goons. And I'm like, ma'am, you're from Houston. Like, <laughs> you're from the suburbs. Like, you don't you don't have any goons. <laughs> but but, uh, but um, other than that, even when it is slightly corny or it is slightly cheesy, um, it's Beyonce. And she finds a way to still make it kind of fun to rap along to or sing along to. Uh, so it's definitely a mixture of both. She's so high up that it's kind of like, you can kind of take the corniness because she's shown that she does have the artistry to go with it. So, as we've said, Renaissance pays tribute to Black LGBTQ music and culture, and there's a long list of LGBTQ collaborators on the album, including Big Frida, T.S. Madison, Honey Dijon, Sid, and Kevin Aviance. And Beyonce also dedicated the album to her uncle Johnny. He passed away from complications of HIV, and she honored him during her 2019 GLAAD Media Awards acceptance speech. I want to dedicate this award to my Uncle Johnny, the most fabulous gay man I've ever known and I ever knew, who helped raise me and my sister. He lived his truth. He was brave and unapologetic during a time when this country wasn't as accepting. And witnessing his battle with HIV was one of the most painful experiences I've ever lived. I'm hopeful that his struggles serve to open pathways for other young people to live more freely. LGBTQI rights are human rights. Sam, what are your thoughts on how this album honors Beyonce's Uncle Johnny and the LGBTQ community? I think if you listen to it closely and if you check out the names involved uh, from the history of queer house music in this album, the lesson that she's trying to impart for lots of people who don't know is that house music from its start was very black and very queer. It was created in Chicago by black queer people. Dance music has always been very black, which is also very queer. And to tie these things together, to say for a whole hour, no, black music is dance music, is queer music, that's a very powerful statement. And to, to see someone who doesn't have to do that do it anyway, I like it a lot. You know, Beyonce didn't have to have this message throughout her entire album. But I think it's really important to see it, especially as we see another pandemic start to rise here in this country that is being blamed on queer people. To see someone like Beyonce celebrate queer art in this way, it's thank goodness for it. We're reviewing Beyonce's new album, Renaissance. We'll be back with more from you and our guests in just a moment. You're listening to the 1A Podcast. Now let's get back to the 1A Record Club. We're reviewing Beyonce's new album, Renaissance, with Kia Turner from OK Player and podcast host Sam Sanders. Well, Cuffett's Tina Marie sample carries over onto the next track in the album. That's Energy. And the song also includes the drum beats from Khalees' 2003 hit Milkshake. And Khalees spoke out ahead of Renaissance's release. She said she hadn't been informed that the album was using part of her song. She wrote on Instagram, quote, it's not a collab, it's theft, end quote. Akia, sampling is common in the music industry, but what are the expectations and ethics around it? Yes. So... I know everyone's been chatting about the whole Khalees Beyonce situation. I guess the best way to just break it down very simple and very quickly is legally did Beyonce do the right thing? Yes. So when you sample someone, the only people that legally have to be credited in a song, well, in the credits are the songwriters and producers of that song who composed the song. So technically it states (laughs) that in the album and if you try to check on streaming that Pharrell Williams and Chad Hugo, who are the Neptunes, wrote and produced Milkshake. 
So legally, that is who Beyonce had to credit as the uh, composers of the song. Um, I believe um, in the actual CD, because some people have begun buying CDs. I'm waiting for my package to still come. Um, but in the CD, it actually does state that Khalees is listed as an um, associated uh, performer of the song. Um, and even that, she really didn't have to credit. Um, I understand Kalista's concerns um, because there's just a lot of legal situations between her and the Neptunes as far as like who owns Milkshake and who wrote what and just a lot of legal things that happen between her Star Trek and the Neptunes. However, I think it's a little bit misguided because Beyonce and her team at Parkwood did what was legally right, which was crediting the Neptunes as the songwriters and producers of that song. Well, we got this tweet from Ray regarding sampling. They say, Beyonce is at is best at her craft. Beyonce is not an artist as artists create. She does not write her own music, at least not by herself. Her craft is performance as she does it well. Sam, what are your thoughts on, on that take and on how Beyonce used samples in this album? I think it's a very communal process of writing songs and making music. And I like it. I think that we've been tricked to believe that this myth of the singer-songwriter who does all of the amazing work themselves and ends up only playing four chords on a guitar, that that's the way of true art. No. You know, sometimes the best art comes out of community. And so when I see Beyonce have a few hundred credits on her album, that's to me saying she's a really good executive producer who knows how to produce an ensemble cast of players to make the best work. And I think that is just as commendable as someone who sits in a room alone for six months to make an album. If it sounds good, it sounds good. And I kind of marvel at the way she can kind of commandeer an entire team. I think it's good. Well, we mentioned Renaissance includes genres like house, disco, bounce, Afro beats. Kia, is is dance music having a resurgence? And, And if you think so, why do you think it's happening now? Um... Well, I won't say it's having a resurgence. I think what's happening is that the African-American community and African-American musicians are starting to reclaim dance. Um, A lot of people don't understand, but, you know, you have like disco and then from disco, you get house. But house really is the mother or the father, however you want to put it, of what's to come after that, which is techno, which is EDM, which is dance and all of that great stuff. Um, So I wouldn't say that it's like becoming more popular. I think we're just reclaiming it. We're seeing it with Drake with um, the Honestly Nevermind project where he is um, sampling and referencing Baltimore Club, Jersey Club, and Philly Club. Um, And now we're seeing it with Beyonce with her referencing. There's like a couple elements of like Baltimore and Jersey Club on the album, but dance and house and techno. So it's more just about us reclaiming as opposed to it becoming more popular. Well, let's play another track from Renaissance. This is Pure Honey. It should cost a billion to look this good. Oh, yeah. But she make it look easy because she got it. Check my technique. You can find the one when the tempo good. Wanna touch my technique. Oh, uh, three, two, pretty girls. That's my technique. Now, Pure Honey samples a track by ballroom DJ Mike Q. Kia, just explain a little bit more about ballroom and what we're hearing in this track. So Mike Q is actually from East Orange, New Jersey. Um, He is a very known DJ and producer within the ballroom scene. Um, If you watch the show Legendary on HBO, he is the DJ that's on there. But the ballroom scene is... (laughs) 
it actually came from so like you have the traditional ballroom scene which was very much like uh, almost built like after pageants but as you know certain things within culture the black and latinx community felt like they were being ostracized from that community and they created their own scene in harlem which is now what we know as ballroom and ballroom has gone through many different forms and variations from the more traditional side of it to what we have now. Um, a lot of the girls from the ballroom scene, and I say girls with love, but a lot of the girls from the ballroom scenes are now like choreographers like Laomi, um, who's also been a legendary. She's also worked with Beyonce before. Um, the influence is very obvious. It's in TV, it's in pose, uh, the balls, walking, the different categories, the music. So with uh, Pure Slash Honey, which also samples Moy Renee, um, a famed 90s drag performer, um, you're, you're getting a lot of those chanting, a lot of the elements that goes into, or a lot of that like crap talking, I guess mm -hmm. you would say, of like your ego and bravado. Um, because the ballroom is all about being seen and being heard. So, yes. Now, you mentioned Legendary, and that's a, a ballroom competition show on HBO. If you haven't checked it out, it's actually, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Sam, how else do you think ballroom shows up on this album, like outside of this track? It shows up in the way she's delivering a lot of the lyrics. There's a certain kind of bravada and performance and just showing off energy the entire album. There are no sad ballads. There is no mourning from Beyonce. It's not all just joyous, it's all declarative. And she's saying, look at me, I'm bad, I'm bossy. And that is the energy you get from Ballroom, from shows like Pose, from shows like Legendary. So she has this performance of confidence throughout the entire disc that feels very Ballroom. Now, LGBTQ contributions to disco and funk music in, in the 70s and 80s, I mean, it's vast. Kia, do you think Renaissance does a good job of paying tribute to that history? You know, I do. I, you know, I know there are some people who feel like it's not directly house or it's not directly this or that. But I actually appreciate that she didn't just do like a copy and paste of things. I like that she actually took elements of house, elements of disco, and like created her own world that's still very futuristic, but also pays homage to that era. Like, I think of Sylvester, right? Like, I think if he was around, I think he would have really loved a lot of these songs. I, I think about like, you know, Larry LeVan, who was a famed, you know, DJ in New York at a uh, Paradise Garage where a lot of house music was like made and remixed and created. And I think he would have been playing these songs if he was still here. So I definitely think she found a way to pay homage with, while still making it futuristic. Mm, Sam, your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I think if I had a critique of this album, uh, it would be that like there are so many ideas jam-packed into every song and the entire hour that it might have stuck a little harder if Beyonce had stayed in one lane for the entire thing. But that's not what she does. And I think instead of getting an album with a singular focus, you kind of get an album that ends up giving you a central vibe, but it, 
within that, there are hundreds of ideas. She's jumping and darting between certain kinds of performance and certain kinds of sounds, and that is invigorating. But yeah, had there been a smaller, shorter EP that was just declaratively house music, that could have been fun too. But I think the beauty of what Beyonce is doing right now is that she's just flexing all of her muscles. And when you're doing that, you get a lot all at once. And it sounds great. (laughs) Now, it's worth mentioning that this album is being released while states are passing an onslaught of anti-LGBTQ legislation. According to the ACLU, state lawmakers have proposed nearly 240 bills this year that would limit the rights of LGBTQ Americans. And that's including in Texas, where Beyonce's from. How do you think this album fits in with the activism Beyonce's known to do through her music, Sam? I don't know yet. I mean, I think that, if anything, the last several years have taught us that visibility for queer people doesn't translate into political action on their behalves. So I don't know. I am not going to sit here and say Beyonce making a queer house album will change the politics in a state like Texas. But I do hope that if it is some source of encouragement to that community, that can be helpful. But I'm, I, I'm under no assumption that the visibility that Beyonce grants to queer people in this album can really move the needle, you know? But also, that's, she's, not, she's not doing that work here. You know, she's also a very quiet activist. She's been known to give a lot of money to a lot of various causes with no one even knowing. So what I want to see is a year or two from now, that paper trail, because I think there'll be a lot of activity there. Let's get to one more song from the album. This is Summer Renaissance. Okay, Kia, this is the last track on the album, and it plays off Donna Summer's hit, I Feel Love. There's something so um, ethereal about ending the album here. It's just sort of sort of transcended. Again, I was out walking the dogs, and I was like, oh, I just kind of want to float away. But what was your take on this song? So when I first saw the track list and I saw Summer Renaissance, I immediately thought Donna Summer. I didn't even really need to like listen to it. I just instantly knew. Um, so then when I heard the song, I felt the same way you felt like, oh, first of all, her vocals are, of course, absolutely amazing. I keep saying this over and over and Sam does as well. But like she just keeps getting better. I don't know how you keep getting better with age. Like someone teach me. <laughs> but like it's just it's so ethereal and it just really carries you away. But I think for me, what I took away from it is we know Donna Summer and, you know, for a lot of the younger kids, they know her aesthetic and they know her visually. They even know some of her hits. But I don't think we've, we've properly given her her credit as being like one of the Black pop stars that we've seen in that era that Beyonce is paying homage to. She was in disco and able to transition into techno and do R&B and just do it all. And she really is one of the queens who laid a blueprint for women like Beyonce. Um, this isn't the first time that she sampled Donna Summer. She sampled Donna on um, her debut album, Dangerously in Love, uh, with Naughty Girl. Um, so she's And she's done it before in her stage performance. So she's always paid homage. But I think it's very fitting because Donna did, unfortunately, pass away from cancer. And 
I think she's kind of been in the shadows of things. And so to end this album that plays on so many genres and so many sounds and to specifically own in on one sound to end this album, you know, this album off with and particularly pay homage to her. It is a summer renaissance because Donna was that for so many people in the LGBTQIA community. Um, so yeah, I love that. Well, Sam, in an episode of your podcast, Into It, you talked to Danielle Smith, a former editor-in-chief of Vibe magazine, and she said, quote, people talk about Ford, they talk about Nike, they talk about Coke and Pepsi, and they should talk about Beyonce. I think she is not even at the middle of where she's going to be, end quote. How are you thinking about where Beyonce is in her career now that we've got this album? Yeah, I think... You have to look at where this album falls in her entire career. So she's been a professional performer for almost 25 years now. She's still making hits. She's still making albums that go to number one on the chart. She still has our attention, but she's also at the same time become a better artist every album. She sounds better than she's ever sounded before. And she's still pushing herself creatively. I think, you know, any artist would beg for a career like that 25 years in. And it's important to just look at the way that she's performed celebrity and performed her artistry for a quarter century now. That's remarkable. And even if you don't love this album, respect that arc. That's pretty impressive. So that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> Kia, you, you helped compile a list of the 70 greatest Beyonce songs for Rolling Stone. Deja Vu, that's from 2006 uh, B-Day, topped that list. Where do you think Renaissance falls if you had to rank the albums? Well, my favorite Beyonce albums are Deja Vu, Self-Titled, and now Renaissance. So I think that says a lot about the Beyonce fan that I am. I just love when she's in that like dance bag. I love when she's very funky. I love when she's like very much the diva that she is. I appreciate when she does delve deep into her artistry and she offers projects like Lemonade or, you know, she does just want to vocally show off like on an album like Four or um, I Am Sasha Fierce. But for me, I think she shines best when she's allowing herself to just be the free diva that she is in the studio. Um, I don't think any of the songs in that album come close to Deja Vu, <laughs> but maybe that's just my bias. But, um... I will say that, like, I can definitely see maybe within I have I would have to sit with the album for a little bit, but I could definitely see us revisiting that list and maybe updating it with a, definitely a few of the songs from this album. Sam, Renaissance is act one of three. Just in a couple of sentences, what do you hope we see in the next two installments of the project? I hope she's having fun, but I also hope all of this inspires people to go back and listen to the best Beyonce album, which is B-Day. That's the best one. You got to hear it. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think I'm going to listen to Renaissance one more time. Then I'm going to go back and listen to some old Beyonce albums just to refresh my memory. We've been talking to Sam Sanders. He's the host of Vulture's pop culture podcast, Into It, and Kia Turner. She's a music journalist at OK Player. Sam, Kia, thanks so much. Today's producer was Arfi Getty. Our podcast is produced by Barb Anguiano. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk again tomorrow. This is 1A.